pancakes or waffles? Pancakes or waffles? Oh, pancakes, hand down. Not even close. See, it's genetics. It's, genetics. Genetics. it's, it's genetics. in the blood. Yeah. You're, and you're both <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah, not even close. Hey, you're the only one Why? that said waffles. Waffles all day. Yeah. But my one stipulation was French toast over both of them. Oh, yeah. no, you're, so you're still oh, wrong. No. You're not well, even close there. Yeah. French French toast pancakes, uh, pretty tight race right there. But uh, You know, MD Hammer makes some mean French toast <laughs> and some mean pancakes. But Maybe I've just never had an MC now I'm pancake. Hungry. Should we talk about ordering Chipotle online? <laughs> no, we should not. No. You want to really get me fired yeah, up? Let's not do that again. <laughs> Welcome back to the best fucking CBJ podcast around with your hosts, Marty on the mic, Frank, and Mr. Locon. Now, let's turn it over to the boys for the latest episode of the Man in the Cannon podcast. Welcome to the Man in the Cannon podcast. I'm your host, Marty on the mic. I'm here with Mr. Locon. Here with Frank, and we have a very special guest today, MD Hammer. MD Hammer. <laughs> Welcome to the show, MD Hammer. What do you got to say? We're happy to have you. What's going yeah. on? Daddy Locon. What's up, fellas? I'm excited to be in the uh, famous banjo room. It's famous. It is. And ba- we have a banjo. Banjo is, is in play. It's back here right behind me. Father, have I ever told you where I got that banjo? Yes. Came from Bell Center. Bell Center, Ohio, the famous, <laughs> the one and the only, best little town in the world. We got a great show for you guys today. Marty on the mic, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to do a, a segment of That Was Quick. <laughs> that Was Quick. <laughs> quick. Get it. Going to get a rundown <laughs> from Mr. Locon. Let's see. talk about our trades. We have a ton to talk about. I think we can just... Let's do the 10-second recap. Are you get, ready Pull out that? your timer. Are you ready? Ready? Hold on. You got to make it... breath. Make it good. Maybe sip of water. While, while I pull this up, can you play that banjo yet? No. I did I, I did have a few rolls down, but haven't picked it up in about a year. So I got to get back on it. Ready? All right. I'm ready. You ready? Hit the timer. Tell me when to go. That was quick. Go. Uh, we traded Gavrikov. We traded Corpusala. We traded Gustav Nyquist. We traded Jake Voracek. We got Jonathan Quick, and we flipped him to Vegas for a... Like fourth round pick and for Michael Hutchinson, who's going to be backing up Elvis for the rest of the year. Boom! <laughs> Nailed good. it. That was that pretty was good. good. That was pretty good. Totally improvised, too. That was a lot better than it has been in the past. Yeah. All right, fellas, let's dive into it. If you're a Blue Jackets fan, what do you want to talk about today? Definitely the number one story on everybody's minds is the Columbus Blue Jackets trading Vladislav Gavrikov and Eunice Corpusala to the Los Angeles Kings in exchange for a conditional first-round pick and, I believe, a third-round pick. All um, the picks. The condition on that first-round pick is if the Kings make the playoffs, it remains a first-round pick. If they do not make the playoffs, it turns into two second-round picks, which is actually kind of cool because it kind of gives us you know, we can root for the, root Kings, for the Kings for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. Kind of gives us something else to watch, which is kind of cool. We can root for Corpy, root for Gabby and Los Angeles, you know. So, because Yarmo, you know, with two first round picks, another two first round picks this year, just like he had last year. Man, we could have a we can have a squad or a dangerous draft coming up here soon with these top, you know, two two first round picks, especially if that first one's a, uh, you know, <laughs> could Dare be a pretty one, number yeah. one or number two type of pick. <laughs> Man, I hated seeing Corpy go. I don't know. That one hurt me a little bit. Yeah, he's a uh, he's been a Blue Jacket through and through. He's been <sighs> drafted and 
Stayed and, in Columbus the whole time. And he's been on the trade block for like every year. We think we're going to get rid of him, <laughs> and he's kept, sta- you know, he's staying around. And so it was sad to finally see him. He go. finally solidifies himself as the best goalie for the Columbus Blue Jackets, and then we send him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Yar- this is a everyone's talking about what Yarmo did, right? He's, he's making all these trades. MD, did he do a good job. What do you think? M- oh, I th- I think so. I I mean, I hated to see both Corpus Allis and. Gavrikov go, but I, I think it was probably the right thing to do. When you think about uh, Gavrikov, for me, I think of uh, the trade back when they let go of David Savard. Mm. You know, same kind of player, blocks a lot of shots, not afraid to get down on the ice. Um, you know, just reminded me a lot of David Savard. So I hated to see both of them go, mm-hmm. but in the end, probably the right thing. I mean, I've heard that Gavrikov wanted out. I think if someone wants out, um, they're not contributing to the team chemistry. So you get an opportunity to move them, you move them. Yeah. There's a lot of rumors about what why Gavrikov and why we hadn't extended Gavrikov, whether or not he wanted to – I don't think he wanted a long-term deal, and I think Yarmo was leaning more of a long-term deal, or maybe the opposite. You don't really know. But there's also some rumors floating around that he might have wanted to go back and play in the KHL. I don't know how true that is or, hmm. or not since he's a Russian guy. But whether or not we get to – or so, I mean, just at least for the rest of the year, we get to watch him play out the rest of the season in Los Angeles. Um, and Corpy – I feel you on that, Jamar. I'm a goalie guy. I love go- I love goalies. It's going to be tough to watch Corpy in a new uniform, but I mean, at the end of the day, both of these guys were unrestricted free agents, likely not to sign, especially Corposalo, because and here's the main thing that I think a lot of people don't realize or don't understand was we well, we already have Elvis locked up, right? He's going to be here. He's under contract for I believe another three years. Yeah, big contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and next year Tarasov requires waivers to be sent to cleveland so we can't just bring him up and down like we do now if he comes up and we send him down he's going to have to clear waivers in order to make it to cleveland so you can't really do that because somebody would just snag him so regardless of the situation and how it was going to play out likely elvis and tarasov are going to be our goalies next year simply just based on contractual agreements and so Corpy, he just we just didn't really have a spot for him, so yep. might as well get something for him. Yep. To MD's point, I, I think it made a lot of sense, and we probably should have done it. But we played Seattle last night, and we had Bjorky's highlights up there. You get those Cleveland guys. Corpy was one of those that like get you in your feels a little bit, right? You're oh, like, absolutely. These guys built up everything in Ohio, and then we just ship them out for them to be a piece for someone else and it just hurts every time and it, it feels like it's always coming back to that that's what the blue jackets do is we build up role players for other teams what do you think frank yeah i mean that's a great point right i mean i feel like every every game now there's another jacket coming back and uh, well first off i want to give a shout out to the organization because when a player like Briorki came back last night i mean i thought the fans were excellent. They put a nice tribute oh, on yeah. him. He had a real nice ovation yeah. last yeah. night. Yeah, so it was it was nice. And he to smiled see. too. You know, he stood up and gave a real good smile to the day. crowd, which was awesome. Yeah, so it was it was just really great to see a player like that who actually liked being in Columbus. You know, it was kind of you know we were sad to see him go, obviously, but with the whole Gaudreau thing, we know we know how that went down. But it was nice to see him back, and it was nice to see the fans show their appreciation. That was the one thing I was taught. We were talking about that last night at the game. When we signed Gaudreau, we knew we had to move some cap, mm-hmm. and we were all talking. We're like, we, we, we could move Nyquist, or we, you know, we could we could move uh, somebody else. 
And then it came down that we were moving Bjorky, and I was like, I was floored. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, why? Why did we have to trade him? But then, you know, you really kind of start to think about it. Everybody knew that we had to move some cap, right? Yeah. And who else knows that? All the other 31 GMs. For so sure. when Yarmo's calling the GMs and saying, hey, do you want Gus Nyquist? I can give him to you real cheap. They're like, no, I know you have to move cap. I want Bjorkstrand or yeah. nothing. Yeah. Like So he, he kind of gets put in a... Yeah, a tough spot, and that's sure. kind of the move you probably had to make. But good to see Bjorky back last night. The one, the one good thing I'm going to counterpoint my own point, which yeah. was whoa, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at this. Breaking Are you arguing news. with yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I'm arguing with myself because no one wants to argue with me. All right, uh, I was going to say the one thing I will say that was good for Yarmo. I don't know if these were rumors or not, but people wanted Boone, and he wanted to keep Boone. He's a staple of the Blue Jackets, and. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Keep Boone. I would have been devastated if Boone Jenner left the Blue Jackets at this point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, th I think Boone Jenner is the right face of the organization with the C on his sweater right now. So, um, yeah, it'd have been, it'd have been a big step backwards to let Boone go. And he's having a hell of a year, too. He's playing yeah. well. He's playing consistent. And coming off injury, too. Yeah. 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 Once, since he came back from the surgery on his hand, he's he's been a, a lot better. Which, again, let's give a shout-out to the organization for making the decision to go ahead, let him have surgery, get healed up, and then come back. It's a perfect year to do it. Yep. Right? Give him some time off. Let him get healed, healed back up. How about that yeah. beauty he had in Buffalo the oh. other night? <laughs> what a that was, that was sick. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. Just oh, tucked man. it right up underneath the bar somehow. Went through. Oh, uh, man. What a beaut. One, one quick point. I know you mentioned the letter on the jersey, the C. What we noticed yesterday, what did you think of uh, Goudreau having yeah, Goudreau the A? Yeah, Goudreau had the A. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that going into the game. I didn't know that. Well, because Nyquist had the A, right? Yeah. Or one of the A's. Yeah, one of the A's. So good for him, man. Yeah, yeah. he deserves it. I like it. it. I mean, he's been – listen, it's been a rough year for everybody. Okay? <laughs> yes. For us, for for all the, the, the whole organization – but you can just tell when you watch Johnny Gaudreau play that he is a superstar. He's yeah. got that skill there, and he's still lighting up the scoreboard. I yeah. mean, he's getting on the score sheet with an assist basically every night. He's still yeah, good assists. for about a point yeah. a point a game. Yeah, 40 yeah. So, assists. Yeah, you, you look at him, and, and you realize you can really see it on the ice. He's all in. You know, he's committed to what Brad Larson's trying to do in Columbus, and, and he's given it his all. I'm excited to possibly see him play with Connor Bedard. Oh my next gosh! Year. We'll who had, see. Who we're getting ahead of ourselves. Had a hat trick again last well, yeah, night. We were at the bar last night, and we, they him. had the Regina Pats game on. And we watched Bedard's hat trick. And, oh uh, man! Sposal was playing too. Yeah, Thanks, we'll, Arbar. Yeah. Shout out to Arbar. All right. Sponsor what else did the Jackets do? We moved Gus Nyquist. Yeah. Right. Moved him to Minnesota. What was that for? What did we get in return for that? I think we got a fourth round yeah, pick. Fourth or third. Fourth or a fifth. MD Hammer looks like he's got it, looking it up. But the thing is, is Minnesota was looking for a contract like that because, right, he's injured. He's on long-term IR. They can stash his his salary away during the season, and if he comes back for the playoffs. Healthy healthy for the playoffs. Right, healthy for the playoffs. <laughs> it's the Tampa rule, yeah. right, which apparently the NHL is cool with. But We got a fifth round for Fifth him. round for Gus. Hey, can't beat it, really. Um, yeah, we knew he was eventually. I mean, right? We talked about it um, during the off season. Um, we thought he was kind of on the on the block even during the summer. So, I mean, unfortunately, he got injured during the season. I mean, he was playing pretty well. I thought though, mm -hmm. he had. I mean, he did pretty well for us overall. Absolutely, He's one those. of the best free agent signings we've had. Because remember, he came over from Detroit, and I mean, he's played well for how long has he been here? He was here for like three years. 
Anyway, yeah, yeah. earned he a letter was, at so least. Just real quick, let me run down some of his career highlights because it's it's impressive and i didn't realize it before i did the research for the for the show today but uh he was a uh east all rookie team in 2009 first team all-star 2010 2011 ncaa first all-american team 2010 he was the east second all-american team 2011 ahl rookie team in 12 ahl first all-star team in 2013 He's an all-star. Yeah. And he was fantastic in Detroit. Yeah. I mean, and he was good here. Can't beat it. Yeah. Yeah. What else did we do? We flipped. So, what about the well, salary? salary yeah. So uh, we talked about this kind of earlier in the year, right? And you and I have been talking kind of off the pot a little bit. But uh, Borchek. Uh, Jake yeah. Borchek. Yep. Um, we had chatted him. about it earlier in this, in, in this uh, season. Yeah. So, I mean, again, injury. Uh, that kind of knocked him out for for a while. I mean, he's still out, but he might be uh, done. His career might be over. The way he was talking, like he's having, you know, he's having concussion symptoms. Yeah, he might he might just hang him up. Yeah, but uh, I mean that that was a big uh, you know cap hit for us. But moving him off, I mean, that was almost what an eight nine million dollar contract. I think he was at eight point six million. And you move him to a team like Arizona, which at the time they had traded basically half their team away, so they didn't have any money like they weren't paying anybody basically and there's a minimum to the salary cap as well so yarmo's calling up arizona hey i got a fat contract i can dump onto you that you can (laughs) for nothing you know i'll I'll give them to you for what we get for gut or for jake fifth round pick again or fourth or sixth why do i want to say it it allowed arizona to meet the minimum salary cap standards so that's the reason that that worked out and it worked out well because we have freed up over uh I think over thirteen or fourteen million dollars in cap space this summer. Yeah. So a lot of room to do, you know, whatever you know, whatever magic Yarmo's working in the wings. A lot of room to work this summer. Should be an exciting off season, especially with the draft lottery coming up. I know we're all excited about that. But uh is Yarmo cooking something up? Is Maybe. This, is this part of the evil plan? <laughs> Maybe it's all part of so, Yarmo's evil plan. Oh yeah, so la- last yeah. night they uh they interviewed Yarmo. Uh, between periods. This is one thing that you just don't get when you go to the game. Right, right. And this so, is perfect. Exactly. Yes. So they, they interviewed him last night, and they, they kind of talked about what's your timeline for the Blue Jackets. You're making deals. Um, you're picking up draft picks. What's your overall timeline? Yarmo's answer was difficult to put a timeline on it. He said, but <clears throat> what we're preparing for is we should be a contender – to make the playoffs next year. The year after that, the expectation is is that we go deeper into the playoffs and we're not fighting to get in. We're established as a playoff team. Year three, we're a contender. Yeah. You know, So I think that's probably what his strategy all evolves around is that kind of mental timeline that he's got in his head. And you know, I thought about it last night after listening to the interview. Probably pretty realistic. I mean, could be. Yeah, yeah. So we, especially with this, with this first round pick that we'll have this year. Yeah, because we were talking about it last night. And listen, we all want Connor Bedard. He's supposed to be a generational talent, but the kid going number two, uh, Adam Fantilli, I think his name is. He's a centerman playing at Michigan right now. He's also supposed to be, you know, a stud down the middle of the ice. So 
if we get one or two, I, I mean, three, I don't really know too much about the third pick, but one or two, I think we're going to be just fine either way, especially with the kind of talent that we already have stashed away. And you forget sometimes some of the guys who are still injured, right? We right. still, still Warinsky, he hasn't been back yet, so. Yep, and I'm, I'm probably on the other side of the coin on that. As far as the draft pick coming up, I could care less. Oh, my gosh. I, oh, Let's dive into the controversy. Let's talk so, about the tank. Yeah, so, MD Hammer is anti-tank, yeah, everyone. Yep. I mean, the draft doesn't matter to me, and here's why. Okay. <clears throat> One is never underestimate team chemistry. Um, that's something that with all the uh, players coming down Route 71 from Cleveland to Columbus this year, I may have missed somebody, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen one player come up from Cleveland that I thought didn't belong. I mean, we got a lot of kids playing um, for the Jackets right now, but they all look like they belong. Um, so that's that's one thing. But going well, what, back, what, why 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 would the tank? Why would having the number one overall draft pick? disrupt that so why would it disrupt any sort of chemistry that we already have going because you got to be ready for a number one pick for a connor bernard okay columbus has a history of some good players come through but they don't want to stay here they want to leave you guys have all talked about it in previous podcast about how there's a lot of players that just want out of columbus so if you're going to bring in a number one. If you're going to bring in a Connor Bernard, what's got to happen? Bernard. Yeah, you, what's got to happen Sorry. is, and don't correct me again, or I'll come across. <laughs> I'll Daddy Locon ac- laying the hammer down. <laughs> I'll come across the banjo room and rough you up. <laughs> I would. I would so, like. I want to see that. Kind of. Yeah. So, what do you have to do? By that second year that you have that number one, you better be deep into the playoffs, and you better be a contender for the Stanley Cup by the third year, or guess what? That superstar wants out. He wants to leave Columbus. So I don't worry so much about that pick because I want team chemistry. And I'm not saying that Connor Bedard coming in would change the team chemistry, but we're not 100% sure that he's a natural fit. We'll never know till after the fact. So I don't worry about who's coming in from the draft because the unknown is, is will they fit the Columbus Blue Jacket culture that we have here in Columbus? Yeah, that's a fair point. I think you and I kind of touched on, um, we, obviously, every day we're talking about uh, uh, our good friend Connor. Uh, still come to Columbus, please. We still want you. Um, but, uh, you know, we were saying that um, he's apparently pretty good friends with, with Kent Johnson, correct? That's what I read on Twitter. I saw somebody tweet that. So they're both BC boys, and they both apparently I think they play roller hockey together in the summer. That's what I read. Uh, somebody tweeted that. So yeah, thanks. apparently they're friends. So he might have a friend already on the team that never hurts. Yeah, yeah. Never, never hurts. hurts. Can't can't be a bad thing, you know. But I do agree um, that I don't think you want to focus completely on you know. Always drafting like uh, the the best available or, or the best player, no matter what. I do think there is a component to the draft pick in Columbus that you have to think about. 
of drafting the right type of guy who wants to play in Columbus, who's going to fit well with all of the other guys on the team. At the same time, you have to balance that with drafting skilled and players who are going to put the puck in the back of the net. And, you know, I, apparently he's really good at doing that. So. <laughs> Well, I think we're, but I do think it's fair to not. You don't have to. We don't have to focus on it. You're you're saying we don't need yeah. to just. We just don't need to worry about it. Whatever happens, happens. Whatever happens. What, yeah. what whoever right. we get, we'll take them. Wherever open the ping arms. pong ball lands, <laughs> yeah. or whatever they use, we'll take ping pong them. ball. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're talking. You're talking about the culture being more important than tanking for the number one pick, and we constantly talk about and argue about is Brad Larson the guy to do that? Uh, I'm curious to hear what MD has to say. I think he is. The guy. Uh, I think this has been a really tough year to coach this team. And what I've seen lately with the guys that are going to stay here, that people are starting to play a little bit better at the, to the way that we would expect them to be. And we're going to give him a full season yeah. of being yeah. able to build that and yeah. go into Yarmo's plan of next year is when we're really going to judge and, Brad Larson. You know, and um, I, I do want to hear MD's point as well, but you and I were just kind of talking about this last night, right? It's like, I, I think Brad is a, a player's coach and it seems like he's, uh, you know, gets along with, with the team and at the team, I think responds pretty well to him. And to your point, I don't know who else, like you could have the best coach in the world, this team, maybe we're 500. We're not going to be much better than, you know, than that. I don't think a coach really uh, impacts at this, at least this season I'm saying. But. Yeah. So my opinion on Brad Larson is he is the man for the job period right now. He's he is let's go. I love it. He I is the it. man. So so let's take let's take a look at the at the bigger picture, bigger than actually Brad Larson. So it was it was Lou Holtz that said coaches coach, players play, spectators spectate, and the three don't mix. But in, in Columbus's case, let's go one step higher in the organization. General managers manage. I think Yarmo has done an incredible job with the situation that we have in Columbus, with the injuries and stuff. Like I said before, players coming down from Cleveland, they all look like they belong. That's, that's encouraging to me that as many players as we brought down, they look like they fit in, they look like they belong in the NHL. Then I look at, at coaching. Coach is coach. Brad Larson with a daunting task – of line assignments, game in and game out, is not afraid to mix them up. He changes the lines. He's not afraid to change the line during the game. If he sees somebody playing hard, he'll bump them up a line, you know, and try to get the best combinations on the ice. That's all you can ask for in this situation. Brad, Brad Larson, in my opinion, is kind of – he looks quiet on the bench, but he's quietly coaching his ass off over there. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Without a doubt, okay? And then you drop to the next rung in the organization and you talk about players play. I think the players are going out and they're playing hard for Brad Larson. They're playing hard for the fifth line. Um, and they've got a lot of pride, okay? That's why I say you never tank a season, because if you tank a season, you lose all your all your availability to learn about your players. You know what what's what's Brad got to learn? He's got to learn what combinations work together. What players fit the culture in Columbus? You know um, 
who wants to be in that locker room? Who wants to follow Boone Jenner's lead? You know, those are all the things. He's, if you're tanking a season, you don't have those evaluation points. Well, I think that I think you do in the sense of you're letting other players play, or you're letting the like we're letting the young guys play together. We're learning what kinds of games they have, whether or not they're going to fit in with who you know who they're playing with on on uh, different lines and those kinds of things. I I think. I think you think of the word tank as like purposefully, purposefully lose or like actually try to, you know, take us down a peg or something. And I think we're actually trying to put out a uh, a squad that we want to learn about this year. And as a result of that, we're we're just losing because of that. I don't think they're actually. You know, trying tanking, to lose. Tanking, yeah, yeah. tanking yeah. is a subjective term, I guess. What? No, I no, I was just, I was just agreeing with you, right? I mean, I think we talked about it many months ago, right? It's like, yeah, we kind of joke around of saying, yeah, we got a tank, we got a tank. Well, not really. I mean, we're just not that good this season. We're a young team. We're right. still figuring it out. But to your point, MD, what you were saying is, I really do like what Brad is doing in this time, right? Look, it's, I mean. <laughs> You don't need to be a rocket scientist to know <laughs> we're one of the worst teams in the league, but we have a lot of young talent. We have a lot of young guys in Cleveland. We have a good you know, base there. We're mixing the lines up. We're giving players a chance to play because, let's face it, playing in the NHL is a lot different than playing in Cleveland. So it gets these guys a lot of reps in, which you need, you know, and see what they have. Mm-hmm. I judge Brad Larson like I judge some of these high-level talent, young hockey players. And the the biggest word for both of them is consistency. When you think of the best parts of the Blue Jackets organization, those are the pieces that are consistent. I think Yarmo is consistent with his approach and how he handles things. He might shock us here and there, but he's consistent with how he handles this organization. Our one of our best players, Boone Jenner, is one of the most consistent hockey players within this organization. To me, what I'm looking at Brad Larson is, can he be consistent and he can he create a consistent culture around like a, Blue, a Boone Jenner, as an example? And the reason we're quote-unquote tanking because all these young players are not consistent. It's night in, night out. I actually disagree with you a little bit on... You know, they're going in and playing as hard as they can every night. I think it's been a little inconsistent. Some nights you see a really good version of the Blue Jackets. Some nights it's hard to watch. Oh, it's yeah. really hard to watch. And it's it's that's what it is. got to be able to do it as, game in, game out every night. And those are the best hockey organizations. One of the things that struck me, though, when you, when you were talking about consistency is, and it's one thing that I do love about the Blue Jackets organization, just in general, is is their consistency in in sticking with the people that they hire you know they they hire or they promote from within and when they think they've hired the right guy they really stick with him and kind of give him a good chance and to me that shows that's good leadership to me and i do think brad larson exemplifies that he he knows that you know we're having a rough year he knows that our squad probably isn't performing as best as they probably should be but at the podium, he's always so poised, and he he speaks well of the team. I think he's got good leadership skills, which I think is going to trickle down to a lot of these young guys. I do have issues with his 
um, strategies, but mainly surrounding what he what we do on the power play, which we actually got a power play goal last night, so it wasn't too bad. Ooh. But yeah. those are my those are my two cents on Brad Larson. I think we can all agree that we think Brad Larson is the right guy for the job right now. I'm gonna say, I think if we continue to suck for the next <laughs> couple of years, though. We might have to we might have to rethink uh, rethink Agreed. our strategy at least a little bit. I want to say I'm, yeah. we're looking at him, right? I, I'm looking to see how these next seasons go. Absolutely. But right now, I think he's the right guy. Yeah. So I, with with Brad, I mean, how many of you guys have been in an interview? And one of the questions that the uh, interviewer asks you is, um, name a time that you were up against adversity, um, and how did you handle that adversity? Mm-hmm. Well. This year, Brad Larson has had an opportunity to check that box on how to handle adversity because he's certainly been dealt it. And I think you never check it a hundred times. Yeah, okay. ne- <laughs> never, never underestimate the transition either. So Brad Larson had to manage the team and and work the team through the transition from torts to. Brad Larson style and what Brad Larson wants out of the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I'm sure that that transition was probably a little bit difficult to manage as well. Yeah. All right. Let's transition. Let's start talking about somebody who's been playing well, or at least somebody we think has been playing a little bit better. Positivity. Let's get this, pick it back up a little bit, boys. Hey, uh, Elvis Merzlikens. Your guy. My boy. Still trying to find my Elvis jersey. I got to get one, but, you know, we'll get there eventually. But okay, so has Elvis been playing better recently? Let's let's talk and discuss. So I have quick. I got some stats for his last five games um, against the Devils. Loss gave up three goals. Point nine oh six save percentage um, against Arizona. Lost in overtime. Gave up three goals. Point eight eight save percentage. Minnesota overtime loss. Gave up three goals. Forty one saves with a point nine three two save percentage. Uh, Buffalo, he was pretty good again. Thirty-eight saves, point nine two seven, and last night, thirty-one saves, point nine one two. So three out of the five, he's hovering around. Uh, I would say point nine two save percentage. A couple of those other games, though, um, uh, hovering a little bit below a ninety percent save percentage. So, and generally speaking, you know, if you're a goalie and you're hovering around ninety-two percent or ninety-three percent save percentage, you're playing pretty well. It's usually a a standard save percentage. So. Yeah, and the teams you mentioned, right? I mean, besides probably Arizona. I mean, playing well, like some Buffalo, Minnesota, tough, the Devils. I mean, I mean they're Seattle. playing all playoff teams, right? Tough yeah, teams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's looked pretty good, or at least a little bit better here recently. I think he's seeing the puck a little bit better. There's still some fundamental overcorrection in his game that I think we were all discussing before the pod. MD Hammer, what do you have to say about Elvis's game right now? So when I look at Elvis's game, I take and and this year, let let me say that with a caveat. This year, I take all those statistics and I throw them out the freaking window. <laughs> so we, uh, about, the banjo, the banjo room, we've got the window open because it's a beautiful day in in Central Ohio. I take those statistics and I throw them out the window. And here's why: Elvis, Elvis has very. I want to be polite. Elvis, you don't have to be polite. <laughs> this is our. This is a podcast. Yeah. Elvis doesn't have a great defense in front of him. You know, mm-hmm. very they, true. You know, he the defense is is a weak link right now in Columbus's game. Yeah. 
and, and the power play has issues too. That's another weak link. But So he doesn't have good defense in front of him. A lot of these games, especially against these higher caliber teams, you see a lot of passes go through the crease and the Jackets defense does not put a stick on it. There's also fun, they let fun, people just camp out right in front yeah. of him all night. So they don't get in there and just, you know, shove him out of the way or anything. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I'll throw you yeah. out the window. Yeah. yeah. You're about to get tossed out the window. <laughs> I'm agreeing with you. All right. So going back to your basic fundamental things with Elvis, okay? When you've got the puck going side to side in a crease and it's not getting touched, and to your point, you got people camped in front of the net in the crease, and Elvis's issue right now with too much lateral movement, mm-hmm. those you put all those together is a recipe for a freaking disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, you got pucks going across the crease, you got overextension in your lateral movement. Guess what? You're going to get scored on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the puck, if the puck's on one side of the ice, man, you just see it time and time again. He's completely on that side of the ice, hugging the post, or he'll even be out front in the side of the crease, like in front of the net on the far right side or the far left side. So if the puck gets swung back to the middle of the ice real quick, gives up so much space. The 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 net is wide open. Yep. And especially, you know, you could see it on that one goal last night where he where the you know, the, he gave up a, a bit of a rebound, and the guy the grabbed hole. it and went backhand. Yep. He tried to stretch out as far as he could with everything he had, and he just completely lifted his stick off the ice and completely left his legs wide open, and he tucked it right underneath five hole. And it's like just some of those fundamental things. I think if – I do think the end of this season is going to be good for him, kind of like it was last year. He got to play just about every single game – to, to end the season, which is going to be the case this year. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's going to finish the se- the last probably you know 20 games of the year, and he's going to get some good experience playing in front of a terrible defense or behind a terrible defense against a lot of good teams on the road. It's going to be a tough stretch, and I think he's going to be able to check that adversity box as well at the end of this season. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. I mean, I think we also forget, I mean, he's still very, very young. Mm-hmm. I mean, he hasn't been in the NHL that long, and... You know, this is kind of, you know, now he's the guy, right? So he signs the big contract. All that stuff's kind of going on. He had a great season right before he signed the contract. Um, And, I mean, Mr. Locon, you you know, right? Uh, What do they say a lot about goalies? I mean, goalies, it's a very mental. They're very Mm -hmm. sporadic in the head. They're in their own world, dude, because they don't really associate with most of the rest of the the guys on the team. They're just kind of like doing their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I throw yeah. my analogy Good in day. real quick? Yeah, I always, I always then think I'm throwing of, you out the window. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I interrupted you. But uh, my analogy for goalies is a goalie being a goalie is hard. Like golf is hard, right? The best golfer, like being a good golfer, ten percent of the time is successful. Mm-hmm. So being a good goalie. 100% of the time is nearly impossible. Agreed. And it's all about how you're feeling. Things are just clicking. And when you're on a team and having a season like this, good yeah. luck. Good luck. And, I mean, you know, I I, I don't know. if it, I mean, there was a lot of chatter going on uh, behind the scenes with Elvis. Obviously, he mm-hmm. was playing like shit. Sorry for cursing. Yeah. <laughs> MD. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> it's our um, podcast. We're yeah. good. Um, but, uh, and then, too, I mean, it, you know, playing goal, goalie is a mental thing, but... Corpy's coming back. 
he's, you know, playing pretty well. I mean, at the time, we thought, obviously, Corpy's still on the trading block, but he was playing a lot better at Elvis. I mean, you know, maybe in Elvis's mind, it's like, well, shit, man. Like, I'm sucking. I don't know if I'll be the starting goalie. I mean, there was that. I mean, there was a point in the season when we, we thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. now with Corpy gone, um, you know, it's still, I mean, it's Elvis's team, and he has a chance to kind of learn from this season. I do like that we've gotten away from like the should we play Corpy, should we play Elvis a little bit because that wasn't the problem that we should be addressing. Yeah, correct. The defense. Yeah. the defense, to your point. Yeah. Andy. yeah. You need to have, I think every team needs to have a clear number one. And I think right now in the NHL, when you look at what's the most successful goalie tandem, it's by far and clear Linus, Linus Olmark mm-hmm. and Swayman, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, they're they're just incredible together, um, and and I think when you watch those two guys and the chemistry that they have, I I think when Allmark is sitting on the bench, he's getting just as much enjoyment out of the game watching Swayman. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really refreshing to see. I mean, I think that's that's the gold gold standard mm-hmm. in in goaltending. Yeah, because nowadays you got to have that one two punch. You got to have a clear number one who's going to play the majority of the nights, but. Or I would say, yeah, it's like a, the ideal situation nowadays is like two-thirds, one-third, I think. You know, somewhere around that workload or maybe a yeah. little bit less. But, yeah, they're fun to watch. And they're going to be a fucking wagon down the rest of yeah. the, the season. I don't know who's going to be. Beat them in a seven-game series. Who's going to be Boston in seven games? The Rangers, you think? Who knows? I mean, I hope they got not. Patty Kane well, now. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Vladi Tarasenko. Well, I think, I mean, after this trade deadline – with all the movement, I mean, I'm going to have to take three days of paid time off just to reset mentally <laughs> with who's on whose roster. That reminds me, the Bruins play the Rangers in one hour today. we got to catch that game. Actually, oh, kind of excited about game. it. Yeah. We didn't touch on this, actually, real quick. We wanted to talk about it real quick, but since we just kind of came back to the trade deadline real quick, let's give the Jackets a grade, right? Do you think we're better off or worse before or you know after this trade deadline? What do you think? I think we're way better off than we were before. Would we like to have extended Gavrikov? Probably for the right price and for the right term. We weren't going to be able to keep Corpy. We flipped Jonathan Quick back to Vegas, Vegas basically just to kind of help him out, which I think, again, is, you know, it shows what type of an organization we are. That's awesome. And we were able to unload Voracek's contract for, you know, maybe a fifth round pick. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think we're better, right? Um, it's unfortunate, obviously, Nyquist and, and Jake on, you know, IR, so they're just kind of sitting A plus. there. So I A mean, minus. I'll say A minus. A minus? Yeah. Yeah. I'll say B plus. B plus. Let's say I'm more in the B range, and only because, I don't know. I mean, we got picks, right? So I don't know what those picks will become. It's hard to say, but it was probably the right decision for where we are right now. If you're just looking at, is the team better now versus when, it, when we had those guys, uh, we're worse because we gave away good players and we got picks back. All right, to all of our listeners out there, I'm in the process of throwing Frank and Marty on the mic out the window. <laughs> you can forget what they said. The with the trade deadline, everyone is out the window. <laughs> Whose podcast is this? <laughs> we don't got anybody left. Yeah. The the C the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was a solid A um, for a lot of reasons that uh, Mr. Locon brought up. Was uh, unloading salary. Get a room. Um, we've got. Yeah. A cl- <laughs> We've we've got a clear number one goalie now, um, 
and, and I think all the moves were good, and I think all of us in the room has at some point agreed that we don't necessarily like losing a Gabrikov, but it was the right thing to do. Sure. Let's talk about one, uh, one other guy who's been playing well as, as of late. We talked a lot of shit about him at the beginning of the year because he was playing like Which shit. That's, uh, Eric Goodbranson. His game's kind of his stepped up a little bit, and he's actually made his physical presence known. MD, did you have some something on uh, Good Branson that you wanted to bring up? I thought you had some stats or something like well, that. Well, again, with the jackets this year, I'm taking the stats and I'm throwing them out the window. They don't mean a damn thing. <laughs> but MD, we found I, your tagline. <laughs> Throw it out the window. He is not but, a statistical person. Yeah, but I, I like Good Branson's game. I like what he brings to the ice every night. You know, big guy, 6'5", 222 pounds. Um, so he's got a physical presence out there. He's a good stay-at-home defender. You know, he uh, he's very, very good at that. Um, <laughs> when he came in, um, when he came into the league with Florida, you know, Florida had huge expectations for him. And he was a solid contributor i think he's a good addition to the columbus blue jackets um what i would like to see a little bit more out of him and and as far as the roster goes good branson and uh olivia he's really the only two that that want to drop the gloves mm -hmm. you know um and good branson's 31 years old you know so how much longer does he you know want to drop the gloves you talk about that number one pick you know, if if I'm a number one pick coming in, or I'm a superstar that's going to be traded to Columbus, who's got my back? Mm -hmm. If that's a great point, that was something it, that we were lacking of the past couple of years. Yeah, and I think these guys have you they, know, they at least have a little yeah, bit. They've helped with that. I mean, so in my mind, if somebody touches Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Line, uh, Z, mm -hmm. KJ, automatic. Merz Leakins, you know, they, if they even look at Merz Leakins cross-eyed, I want somebody spitting bloody chiclets all over the ice. <laughs> I agree. Well, I can't. And they, they still, they're still not there yet. No, they're not. They're not doing it. And it so, drives me fucking crazy because they don't, nobody's out there. Just nobody wants to kick somebody's ass. Yeah. You know, and but, they need that. But we need the guy that's smart about it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't be in a one one a one one game in the in the third period with three right. minutes to go and the guy throws the gloves down and ends up with a major. Mm -hmm. You know, so they gotta be smart about it. But good Branson and Olivier's at one level, and I think they're very similar. But then you got like Tom Wilson. Right. You know. Um, they're just not on that. Yeah, they're not on that same type of a level. And I think what Columbus needs is somebody between a Good Branson and a, and a Tom Wilson. You know, I, I you touch one of our superstars, I want somebody getting their ass kicked. Yeah, you know, and I as I've, if I'm somebody coming into the organization and I'm getting traded to Columbus, I want to know who's that guy, who's got my back. Mm -hmm. I can't get pounded into the boards night in and night out. Um, and nobody protecting me. You, you ready to lace them up? I think you're the guy. I might so be the you. guy. I, I might be the guy. Can you skate? <laughs> Gonna throw no. them out the window? Throw them over <laughs> the glass? Yeah, forget. forget Sign them up. We'll worry about learning how to skate later. Yeah, that's not too important. <laughs> yeah. All right, boys. That's all I had. Anybody got anything else? No. 
Thanks for coming yeah. on, MD. MD, MD. Hammer, thanks for joining. Hot anytime. Takes, I, love I love it. Anytime. Yep. No, anytime. I, oh, game at Ottawa today, by the way. At Ottawa. And then we hit the road basically the entire month. We have only two more home games the whole month, which helps the tank. Woo-hoo. Uh Maybe. We'll see. Never, <laughs> ever tank. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you next time. Tune in next time. Bye. Peace. Bye. Later. We are the man in the cannon podcast, and we are bringing you the CBJ forecast. You never know what we're talking about, but we're the best fucking podcast around. The CBJ news and unprofessional views will certainly satisfy your Blue Jackets podcast fix. Yeah!